on this episode of AV Week, Infocom 2020 is going virtual. The impact of COVID-19 on live staging and events industry and what we can do to help it. And Verizon is buying blue jeans. All that and more next on AV Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is AV Week, episode 452, recorded Friday, April 17th, 2020. Bright and shiny. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Crestron and by Sure Sound Extraordinary and by Bayam. This is AV Week, your weekly wrap-up of audiovisual news and information. My name is Tim Albright. I am your host. With us to discuss the news and information we have gathered for this week, first and foremost, a fantastic content producer and a very dear friend that I've read for a number of years. Her name is Kirsten Nelson. Welcome, ma'am. Welcome. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. So glad Absolutely. to be here. Uh, all of y'all are on the East Coast this week. I just realized that. Uh, Steve Greenblatt is from Control Concepts, also the host of our uh, State of Control uh, uh, program that looks at the control automation segment. Welcome, sir. Glad to be here. Thanks, Tim. Absolutely. And last but not least, my buddy, Mr. Brock McGinnis from Avatos, uh, who is uh, a new uh, consultant, but also a longtime AV industry pro and a good buddy as well. Thank you, sir. Good to be here, Tim, even though I'm not actually on the East Coast. You're in Eastern time zone. I'm sorry. You are correct. Yes, you are there correct. we go. <laughs> he, he, is, he is. He's actually in GTA. And I learned that term this week at, uh, our, at our, our virtual event. It does not stand for Grand Theft Auto, which is what I thought it stood for. It stands for the greater Toronto area, if you are in Canada. Exactly. And I happen to be right dab smack in the middle of Toronto. All right, there you go. Um, so I mentioned this week, uh, thank you for everybody. Actually, Steve and, and Brock both were part of our, our uh, event this week. Uh, we called it LFH, Learn From Home. While you work from home, three days uh, virtual conference. Great, great keynotes, uh, great education sessions. Yeah. Uh, so uh, by the time, I'm going to say by the time this post, but sometime next week, all of the sessions will be up on our website. So you can check all those out. Uh, all the keynotes are up. So Brock's section, section, uh, session is up. Um, but Steve's is not yet, so you can go watch Brock um, and Jeremy Elisar. And, and if you have absolutely nothing else to do, oh, stop it! You guys did fantastic. Uh, all right, let's kick this off. Interesting week this week, and it comes to news, and uh, I'm not making that up. First and foremost, uh, this is from Verizon's website. Didn't think I'd ever cover a story on Verizon for AB, but Verizon Business enters into agreement to acquire. Blue Jeans, if you haven't heard this news already. Uh, Verizon Business Today announced that it has entered into a definitive agreement to acquire Blue Jeans Network, a trusted enterprise-grade video conferencing and event platform. The acquisition expands Verizon's immersive unified communications portfolio. Blue Jeans cloud-based video service currently serves a wide variety of business segments from small organizations to some of the world's largest multinational brands. Brock, I am going to start on, on this with you. My first initial reaction was, why? What? Why, why is this? Um, there are a couple of implications here that I'm going to get to at the very end. I'm going to let you guys uh, comment and, and, and talk about this. But my question, I guess, is, is first to, to you, Brock, is, is, what is what is Verizon thinking with this move? 
I think uh, Verizon is a communications company, and this is a communications medium that they didn't previously participate in. Um, you know, Blue Jeans is a really well-established brand name at this point. Um, it would be an attractive target, uh, you know, for Verizon. And how else does Verizon grow? How do they sh uh, show their shareholders that uh, that they're doing something new? So, you know, from a, a business perspective, they went, oh, that's bright and shiny. And everybody's talking about Zoom. So, you know, maybe we need a Zoom of our own. Let's, let's, go, let's go buy that one. All right, Mr. Greenblatt, same question. is What, what are they thinking and, and does this make business sense from Verizon and their stockholders' point of view? Uh, it, it would seem to to me, you know, I, I think that, that the, this whole pandemic has certainly made the, uh, the visibility of, of online collaboration and conferencing and these types of tools valuable. And uh, although, you know, we, we use Zoom and, you, and Avian Nation's using Zoom and that seems to be the, 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 the go-to resource, I'm sure that there are other opportunities out there and, and it, I, I, you know, for them, it's a great time for them to get into the game and to be able to, to expand their offerings and, and, and Blue Jeans actually ha, has been around a lot longer than Zoom and does have a following and, uh, and, and also had some niches in, in the fact that in the beginning it was one of the first to be able to put together, to, to connect some of the collaborative um, proprietary platforms, right? So uh, there, there may be some intellectual property or some type of of tools and advancements that Blue Jeans can offer that Verizon can take to the next level. It's possible that Blue Jeans may be tapped out at at, at how how far they can go with their company on their own, and and uh, and Verizon certainly has a following and certainly has a broad audience. And uh, another article that I saw just talked about how this gives Verizon more of an entry point into the to the B2B space. That was one of the first biggest selling points of Blue Jeans, Steve, if you remember, and this is 10, 12 years ago, the fact that at that time, Polycom and uh, Tanberg, uh, before they got bought by Cisco, you couldn't get there, right? You, you, it, was, it was difficult uh, you, to connect those two types of platforms. Lifesize the same way. Um, and this was one of those bridges that, that brought all of them together. You're right. And that was one of the most first attractive things about Blue Jeans. Uh, and, and, and I think they were the ones that, that uh, kind of coined the term virtual meeting room. Were they not? They may have been. Um, uh, them or, or life size one. Um, I don't remember, Brock, actually. Anything about it. Yeah. Um, Kirsten, what, what does this do uh, to the landscape and to the, the playground of the over 200 different soft codecs that are out there? And yes, there, there are over 200, I think it's 250 somehow. Um, this this puts them it puts blue jeans back in in play with the likes of webex with the likes of goto meeting and zoom now with the bankroll of verizon but you know also with their network back end yeah i think you know based on what they put in that statement um i think they were trying to make a play for where the growth areas are they actually called them high growth areas of tele telemedicine distance learning and field service work and based on what I've seen since this pandemic, you know, the number of just average doctor's offices that are suddenly doing telehealth, I mean, they're just, they're seeing very clear opportunity on a very ground level. We're talking about so many more opportunities just opened up. And if Verizon can get in there and they already have like a bunch of enterprise access to those kinds of 
places. So they're, they're basically trying to catch up with everybody who suddenly needs telemedicine, distance learning, and all the people who are now doing remote field service, which of course, there's a lot of talk about remote field service in general, once like HoloLens takes over and people can do a lot of uh, remote support, social distance style. Um, so I think they're just seeing that this is gonna continue and we're always gonna need backup for you know other waves, other similar situations. So they just want to be in there, like you're saying. Yeah. I, 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 I have to bring this question up, and I do for two reasons. First of all, if I don't, uh, my lawyer in training, Josh Rego, will call me on Monday and yell at me. Uh, but uh, secondly, uh, in all seriousness, I, I, net neutrality, and, and yes, Brock, it does not impact you right now. Uh, it may eventually, depending on what, uh, what your government does. But net neutrality is a huge issue with this specific purchase. Um, briefly, net neutrality allows the people that hold the, that control the pipelines to adjust and, and constrict uh, their bandwidth based on applications. If this goes through, there is a scenario where Verizon could prioritize BlueJeans traffic over, I don't know, let's say Zoom traffic or um, life size traffic or web art, you know, um, um, WebEx traffic. That is an issue. Uh, whether or not that will be brought up uh, as the FTC looks at this, uh, who knows? Uh, but that is something that that we have to look at. I don't have an answer. Uh, obviously, none of us know that uh, right now. But there is a possibility where Verizon is is a service provider, is is a communication service provider, and now they're purchasing um, a software that in absolutely rides on their on their rails. So um, something to watch. I, I, yeah, I I don't. Uh, get that, Tim? Um, In how the how the throttling uh, would actually be acceptable to to Verizon's customers? If you're Citibank mm -hmm. and Verizon is your bandwidth provider, uh, and and as Citibank you choose to use Zoom rather than BlueJeans, would you not drop Verizon? Uh, as a service provider, if they throttled your communication medium of source, they're not a mon monopoly. People have other choices. They, they do have other choices, but the, the question is, number one, do you realize that, right? Um, do you, is it the CEO that realizes it, or is it just, you know, the tech uh, that there's three levels down from the CEO that realizes what's going on, right? Um, and if the, if the CEO realizes that he can use blue jeans with no problems, and Zoom, every time he uses Zoom, he has nothing but issues. Um, I'm not trying to disparage most CEOs, but at that point in time, <laughs> they'll just use blue jeans. Right. Yeah. So, that, and, and that's, it's a good, it's a valid point, Brock. I, I just think there, there are, there are definitely areas to watch uh, here as, as this moves forward. So, uh, I mentioned our LFH um, virtual summit this week. Great, great uh, keynotes. Kicked off on Tuesday morning uh, with uh, CEO of Avixa, Mr. Dave Labuskas. He was kind enough to stop by, share his thoughts on the current crisis, but also uh, take a look at what the industry looks like going forward. Interesting thing that Dave just kind of put in there and said, you know, we'll, we'll know more about the rest of the week. Infocom is going virtual. Um, they're calling it Infocom 2020 Connected. It is a virtual trade show. Um, and, and to be completely frank and, and transparent, they still don't know entirely what that means. Um, there's a survey actually now, if you go to Infocom's website, uh, infocomshow.org, you can help them make the program. 
right? Uh, they're asking what you'd like to see. They're asking you uh, what you'd like to, to, to see happen here. Um, Steve, from, from your standpoint, both as somebody who has taught at Infocom, um, but also um, you've, you've, you're an attendee, obviously, for years. What does that mean to you, the fact that they're trying something in, in this state, uh, in the current situation we're in, but also what, what is it that you'd like to see? Well, I, I, I'll kind of point back to this past week, the, the Learn From Home uh, Summit that you put on, which was fantastic. And I think that that just is a proof of concept that this model works and, and that this can really draw a crowd and, and it does still provide the sense of community and connectivity and, and, and learning and, and opportunity to, to engage. It, was, it, was just, it just seemed so energizing and so natural and, mm-hmm. and it, was, uh, it, it, it fulfilled a need. Um, I don't know where we're going to be in June. That that's one of the challenges that that we're we're I think going to be facing, because if we're starting to transition out of this current situation, is that going to impact the effectiveness of this type of an event? I, I'm not quite sure. But I do think what's nice about this and 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 others choosing this medium is is that it it opens the door for everybody to attend that wants to, whereas. Going to a trade show in person, only a limited number of people can attend. And, and I, I think that if the offerings are broad enough, a lot of people can get more out of Infocom, as well as even people outside the industry. Um, and I think that the, this, this type of exposure is, is really incredible. I, I, uh, you know, one of the things that I did for this past week when, when I was speaking is just posted on social media. Now that's not limited to our industry. So the amount of people that could actually find and, and engage and learn more about what we're doing, um, you know, it, it is magnified because of, of this type of a format. So I, I, you know, I, I think it's, it's, a, it's a great idea. It's a great um, opportunity for, for um, Evixa. And it's also a great opportunity for those who want to want to have the opportunity, want to be able to be more involved. Mm-hmm. Kirsten, you've been involved with the production of, of Infocom for a number of years. Um, when you saw this, what was some of your, your first reactions of, of, oh, that's cool, we can do this now, or, oh, that's cool, we can do this now? Or is it, does it give you, as a producer, uh, a little bit more flexibility and maybe broaden some horizons that maybe you didn't have uh, if it, when it's all in person? Yeah, absolutely. And I have to say that all the work that I do with Infocom, I actually really have always loved working with the Avixa organization because they are always thinking ahead in terms of what other options and other venues and other avenues they can take to sharing content and engaging their audience. So this, they actually, the level of the conversational shift that was happening um, and the curiosity that's being employed, like you're saying, they're actually putting a survey out, asking people what they want, and I think they're really seeking actual input about what we could do with this. I, I find it to be really inspiring. Um, I think that, you know, what Dave Lubuskus was saying in his keynote at your Learn From Home Summit was, was that there's going to be a hybrid space that's going to happen for a while. Even as we return to public gatherings, I think there's going to be this sort of in-between space where people are gathering. And I think people are still going to embrace some of the remote aspects that we have really all maximize these last few weeks. So I think that this event is going to reflect what our industry might actually be serving. You know, we're going to actually be showing people what's possible with the projects that they might actually be building for their clients. You know, months ago, kind of as this was beginning, I was talking to some pretty really big architecture firms 
And they were saying as this began that they were anticipating that real collaborate collaboration rooms, the ones that we were promised, you know, after 9-11, the ones during 2008, any downturn, people start talking about less travel, they talk about more robust collaboration rooms. Well, I think this time a lot of the big architecture firms are already seeing that this will be something everyone needs as a contingency plan now. So by Infocom going virtual, it's almost like they can use it as an opportunity to show what's possible while their audience also can turn around and sell that to their, their clients. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Brock, same kind of question when it comes to, you know, we, you were listening to, to Mr. Labuskus. What were some of your first initial reactions, either as he said it or as a, a little bit more information has come out over the last few days about what this means to you, um, but also, um, you know, uh, to the folks that you know that work in the industry uh, on the manufacturer side? Uh, the manufacturer's part of what uh, Avixa is going to do with a virtual Infocom, I, I think is, is going to be very, very difficult. Um, we can already access every one of those manufacturers' websites. And uh, they're all offering uh, training uh, these days. There's webinars for days, um, uh, so many that you can't, uh, can't possibly participate in, in them. And if, if Avixa is looking at, at this as a big source of, of revenue from the manufacturers, they're going to have to be incredibly creative uh, to, um, uh, you know, to, to, to present a compelling reason uh, for me to, to go to a virtual Crestron booth or a virtual Kramer booth or a virtual Middle Atlantic booth. The education opportunities are spectacular. And after every, uh, every trade show, uh, you know, all the AV folks, and there's nearly 3,000 of them in my Twitter uh, list now uh, that I follow, I, th there is a hue and cry for, um, uh, to post online all of the education and, uh, and uh, you know, other uh, presenters that occur at trade shows. Well, this is Avix's chance um, to, uh, uh, to record forever and begin to have a library of all of the amazing education that typically occurs at an Infocom. Um, and, you know, the center stage uh, uh, presentations, uh, Kirsten, that you've been part of, uh, the uh, presentations that even, I don't know if you had time to see any of them at, uh, at ISE, Tim, um, th that's become one of the main draws for going to the shows is that there's unique content uh, by spectacular presenters. Um, it's a bit like your learn from home. Uh, that, you know, I, I, was, I, I was so pleased for Aviation to have, um, uh, have been the industry leader in, in producing an online conference. I, I thought it was brilliant. And the thing that attracted me the most was on Tuesday morning, I listened to Dave Labuskas. And on Wednesday morning, I listened to Randy Klein. And, uh, and I never get an opportunity to hear people like that um, uh, present and present live. Well, those are the people that I want to hear at, at a virtual uh, Infocom, for sure. Um, and, uh, and then to be able to go back and, uh, and take one of Steve's courses that I've never had a, 
had the time at Infocom to take, but I, I can now take it in January if it's, uh, if it's part of a library, and I will pay for that. I will be happy to pay for that education um, because Infocom has the best educators in the industry all in one place, um, and you know, you're only able to choose five classes uh, because that's all you've got time for. Well, there are, I don't know, Kirsten, are there 350 classes? Are there 500 classes? Um, it, uh, the the uh, the center stage or main stage stuff. Um, you know, I only ever had time to hear one or two during the course of a show. I could hear them all now, and that is a tremendous opportunity. And that is something that uh, that will carry this association forward. Yeah, that's, I'm actually working on the Tide conference this year too, and um, that right away we started recontextualizing how that event could could reflect and, and and show what's possible. In fact, everybody who was going to speak at Tide immediately became engaged with us in creating a new uh, a new potential way for all of us to gather and interact with some of the, like what you said, some of the new uh, content that people are attracted to at these shows. So we're actually hosting with uh, Infocom, I've been hosting a thing called the Cohort Lab, where we're exploring what we can build together. So Fantastic. we're now taking some of those people who are working in the experience design space and help and they're helping us build what we might do with this virtual infocom so i think it's going to be pretty cool that's fantastic let me ask a, a kind of an overarching question here before we hit our last story um one of our cohorts uh craig mccormick uh, works for uh, commercial integrator has been talking about this for years i mean really and, and i have to give it to him he really really has um and something that we did at, with, with PSNI uh, a number, uh, I want to say a year ago, is we, we live streamed on, on Facebook one session, right? Um, from PSNI's standpoint, it was a huge success. Uh, Craig was like, this is exactly what should happen. Uh, he yep. wrote a piece in, in Commercial Integrator. And, and I agree with him. Some, on, on some level, this should happen. Dave LeBusk has said something about the industry changing and the industry involved, uh, evolving. Regardless of whether we go back to Orlando in 2021 or we skip two years, God forbid, for the Infocom show and, and we go back to Vegas in 2022 and that's the next time we all get together. Does this fundamentally change the fact that they're doing a virtual one this year? Does it change future Infocom shows to incorporate more of the virtual, to incorporate more of the people who aren't physically able to travel? Yeah. I think so. I think to the benefit of everybody, as, as we're all saying, as Steve and Brock were just saying, um, I think one of the things I heard from one of my experienced designers I'm working with um, on the Tide program, you know, he said, the coolest thing about this is no longer are we confined to only three days. You know, yeah. as Brock was saying, we can take these right. classes any time. And there's so much that people wish they could see, um, so many extra programs. And I think this is great. We get to stretch it out over a year. I think, yes, as humans, we do really want to see each other again in real life. And I believe we will. But in the meantime, we do get to um, continue to learn from the huge amount of programs they provide. So yeah. I think that, I think the exhibitors will find creative ways. Uh, in fact, I've been talking with people all week long who work in the event space in AV. I just did an article about going beyond zoom with your virtual event. 
And um, every single one of them has been creating really, really clever new ways to do virtual events. And a lot of them are going to be working directly with um, exhibitors and manufacturers to make product announcements that feel, I mean, quite frankly, a little bit more like entertainment and less like a webinar. Um, and I think we're going to probably see the people who, uh, if, if we can get Infocom to connect in that way, say like, look, there's an opportunity to go beyond just going onto a screen and saying what you're introducing this year. There's other creative ways we can do storytelling with, with your product announcement. I think this could get pretty interesting pretty fast. So. Yeah, totally. As long as the as long as the folks take advantage of it, right? There, there will certainly be those folks who just kind of do the webinar thing, and there's nothing wrong with it, right? Yeah, exactly, just, it gets just, the job done. Yeah, it gets the job done. But there are yeah. all, all there are just some some opportunities here that we didn't have before. Absolutely. Uh, wrapping up here, our buddy Kate Calderon uh, wrote for SCN about how COVID 19s impact on live staging and events. Um, Kirsten, I'm gonna start with you on, on this one actually because. Uh, not only are you involved in, in that with the Infocom side, but you also have a lot of friends uh, in this industry. I, I referenced this story, and I'll, I'll, I'll reference it really quickly again. I, I referenced it this past week in, during our event. Um, Aviation is, is well, we, we, uh, we are not marketers. We, I, I'm not a marketing person, and so we, we, uh, we use the help of other people, and we were in the process of, of looking at another, another firm here. And um, they also do live events. And in, in conversations with the, the team there, um, we had a conversation on Friday afternoon. And by the end of the day, uh, South by Southwest had canceled. That is what I'm going to say is the start of Hell Week for people in the events space. Because by the end of the next week, NAB had canceled. Digital CSE had postponed. They have since... Um, Re, uh, uh, rescheduled. Uh, Enterprise Connect had, had canceled. And these are just folks in the AV space, not necessarily, not all the other events. Um, Abby Wolf from Corey's AV um, was uh, quoted in the article saying, we, we went from hearing a couple of stories to watching every event in our busiest time of the year get canceled in the course of four or five days. What does COVID-19 mean to this industry, to this part of our industry? And what can we as AV people do? And, you know, I don't want to sound like I'm being too Pollyanna-ish here, but I, I really loved that article that Kate wrote because um, it truly, the, there's two things we noticed right away. First, community. Yep. Um, people immediately started connecting with each other. How can we help each other? Um, obviously, the amount of um, strain that's been put on people's businesses is unprecedented and will continue to have a ripple effect. However, the other thing we always see in our industry is, you know, for lack of a better word, innovation. Innovation. I know it's an overused word, but I have been inspired by every single conversation I've had with people of every article I've written, everyone I'm working with for my programs. Um, immediately, the sparks of innovation and ideas that were coming from people I can't even tell you. I, it's how I get through my day. Anytime I, I feel challenged by what's ahead, I call somebody up and they tell me some new idea they're working on um, to solve this, to change this, or to somehow serve either people in their community, um, maybe like we were seeing in that article, the examples of people who are manufacturing stuff for PPE and finding other ways to contribute. Um, I think, so there's a combination of things happening. We're reaching outside our industry 
We're trying to make sure that things like commencements can happen, major life events can still happen in a meaningful, human-centric, connected way. Mm. Um, and that's what gives me goosebumps about this whole business, is these people are connecting and making sure that these things can still happen and people can still have a memorable event. Mr. McGinnis, you have been around the industry and you were involved with a lot of stage, live staging and events uh, in your previous lives. You've also lived through a couple of downturns. Um, I, I would argue that nothing that in your lifetime has happened like this and in, in none of our lifetimes has happened like this. Um, how, do we, how do we recover? How do we rebound from this? So um, SARS in 2003 uh, hit Toronto very hard. And every live event in Toronto was canceled at that time. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the half of the company that I worked for at the time, Westbury National, was, um, uh, was a live events company. Um, and it was disastrous. Uh, you know, you had, to, you had to lay people off. You don't want to. Um, but you have to, because the company, for the company to survive, uh, people have to go. And uh, the payments for equipment carry on. Uh, the rent, um, you know, the, the rent carries on. So um, we're, we're going to lose some businesses in the industry. I, I don't think there's any question about that. But uh, what Kirsten said um, about, uh, about innovation, and uh, resilience and creative people, live events people are the most creative folks uh, in, in the world. They're unbelievable problem solvers because the band's going to go on stage at nine o'clock and you're going to do whatever it takes to put that band on stage at nine o'clock. Um, and, uh, and they're also very adaptable. Uh, nobody's just uh, an audio woman or a lighting guy anymore. Uh, people can do a whole bunch of things. And so I think we're going to see, because um, uh, I don't care about the companies. Nobody cares about the companies. Uh, you know, the name on the door will change. The work is still going to go on. Um, somebody's going to lose a whack of money and, and, you know, hopefully it's just a big bank. Um, but the people will take care of themselves. There's already a number of uh, uh, organizations that have sprung up to help feed all the folks who work at convention centers and, and work at uh, sports venues and, and, um, uh, and are part of the movie industry, the concert industry, the everything else that, that has been closed. Um, whether it takes three months or six months or 13 months or 16 months, we're going to want to gather again. We're going to want to be together in as as people, not just our industry, but as people. Um, and we're going to want those uh, exceptional experiences uh, to occur. And the live events people will come back. In the interim, they may be uh, cooking pizza, uh, or they may be painting houses, uh, or digging ditches, and that's okay because um, they'll do that. And then they'll come back strong with a whole bunch of new ideas. Um, that's, uh, that's the nature of the beast. Oh, and some of them, as happened um, uh, within our company, is that some of those live events people became uh, uh, installation people. Yeah, and that's not, that's not a bad idea either. So. Yeah, they became um, programmers. Mr. Mr. Greenblatt, last question, uh, last, last statement on this. How do, we, how do we help each other and how do we get through this? 
So, uh, you know, they, they, as is mentioned in the, in the, in the article, you know, the, the AV community is very supportive of each other. There, you know, there, there's a lot of, um, network uh you you can you can always find somebody who knows somebody who can help you you know there's a, there it and, yes. and and there's all and it's just it's just a very supportive group uh i i think that there's obviously a lot of talented people and and you know what one of the things i think that this this industry starves for is very talented people so i'm hoping that we we would be able to maybe uh take somebody who is doing as brock said who who was doing something in live events and find an opportunity to put their skills to use somewhere else within an organization or in a different part of the industry um i and and i think we can also learn a lot from each other too because it's you know although the although we're doing the same things sometimes or we're using some of the same technology the the, those groups are are very different and and you know overlapping and intertwining and being more collaborative we we may learn how to solve problems we may learn how to do things differently doing things better um there could be a broadening of skill sets that way um certainly taking the opportunity to to offer training which which so many of of the uh, manufacturers and organizations within the industry have been doing and and been waiving any any fees or or eliminating any boundaries there. We, we should all be su- su- such a stronger um, group and and industry at the end of this because of the fact if we're doing a good job of investing in ourselves and in each other. Yeah, absolutely. All right, guys, uh, that'll do it for us. Uh, real quickly before we go, this is not necessarily, um, this is for anybody in the U.S. How about that? Um, the U.S., this is from CBS News, the U.S. Small Business Administration said Thursday morning that the Paycheck Protection Program, commonly known as the PPP, would not be accepting any more applications for the $349 billion program. The agency reported approving more than 1.6 million PPP loan applications, totally more than $339 billion from over 4,900 learning institutions. Now, uh, if you've been funded, congratulations, good, good for you. If you have a loan number, uh, that apparently is a good sign. If you do not hold tight is what we're being told uh, because there very, very, very well may be a second round of funding. Um, some people are telling me that if you, even if you haven't started the process to do so anyway, um, because then you're you're already in line for that. So um, apparently the PPP is out of money for right now, uh, but uh, they're looking at putting more in now. So uh, thank you all so much, uh, Ms. Kirsten Nelson. Where can people get a hold of you if they are so inclined? Yeah, thank you again for having me. Uh, they can find me on Twitter at Kirsten Nelson. Yeah, very good. Mr. McKinnis, thank you, sir. I would have thought you had an email address to Kirsten, but, you know, <laughs> it's... It, <laughs> you want me to spell yeah. my entire year? Dude, no. <laughs> <laughs> that's how spam I, uh, happens, Brock. Exactly. I am, oh, I am also on Twitter at uh, <laughs> at Brock McGinnis. Do you have an email address? I do, and it's Brock <laughs> at avatos.com. Very good, uh, Mr. Greenblatt. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Uh, you can find me on social media at Steve Greenblatt, my company Control Concepts at controlconcepts.net. My contact information is on the website if you want to find that, the email and even my cell phone number. Uh, but uh, I and, and I have to uh, do justice by uh, uh, Rich Fergosa and Tim by mentioning uh, our, our control podcast called The State of Control here on AV Nation. And uh, we'd like to hear uh, what you think of the, the show and, and we're always open to new ideas and new guests. So please reach out. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, just check them out. Uh, my name is Tim Albright. Don't follow me on the Twitters. I have no idea at this point what I've been talking about all week. Uh, but go by the website, avianation.tv. That's avianation.tv. Some great people put some, a lot of hard work in it. Speaking of hard work, and Brock, you were very kind, but I had very little to do with, with this week and last week's. Um, we have a great team, uh, not just here. Uh, but a, a great group of people. Uh, I think in my last count, over 50 people helped us put together two uh, incredible virtual conferences in a very short amount of time. Um, it was it was a great event, uh, not because of anything that I did, but because of the people that came around us. Um, Jeremy Burkhart and Mitch Klein keynoted our first two, uh, kicked off our first two days at the residential side. Dave Labuskas, uh, Randy Klein, um, and Anna um, Chontis. Chontas uh, from uh, from QSC. I had to I had to practice that one, um, and but she did a fantastic job. All three of them did, and great speakers all around. Great education. Um, again, I'm just the guy lucky enough to sit behind a mic and say that person there you need to go listen to. So, thank you um, for for coming along and and, and joining us. Um, go by the website. You'll find almost all of the education, all the education from the commercial side. Um, Brock mentioned the fact that this was a, a proof of concept. It was. So the residential one, we didn't get all the education. Uh, we got a lot of it. Uh, most of it, most of the second day, a lot of the first day. We got all of the education for commercial side, though. Uh, all the keynotes, all that will be up on our website. I'm going to say by the end of next week. Let's just put it that way. Um, we're downloading all of them today and tomorrow uh, between myself and producer Mitchell and uh, Lenore, our editor. Uh, we'll get all those up. Uh, but the, seriously, thank you guys so much. Um, if you go by our website, you can go by our supporter section. These are the folks that help us financially, help us bring you AV Week, help us do that. Uh, even though no, we didn't charge anything for anybody, but they still you know, paid Mitchell's salary so he could keep doing it. Um, but check those out, folks, and let them know that you, you, uh, you appreciate them. Um, also, uh, check out some new podcasts we have coming down the pipeline. Uh, Steve mentions uh, his uh, State of Control, a brand new uh, AV Social hosted last uh, Friday as well. Uh, so we'll check all that out and more at avnation.tv. That's avnation.tv. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for watching. That is all the time we have for AV Week. <laughs>